I want you to turn with me to Luke's gospel. We're talking about um, walking in the spirit and will not fulfill the lust of our flesh. How many of you know a lot of people, uh, especially in our circles, you do need to crucify your flesh. How many of you need to crucify your flesh? But if you start with just doing it with willpower instead of God power, in other words, the Bible says to work out your salvation with fear, you know, with fear and trembling. So that means to get on the inside out. And then in Romans, it says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken, make alive your mortal flesh, right? So it's inside out. And yes, you need to crucify your flesh. The apostle Paul said, if I don't keep my flesh under, uh, you know, even after I preach to others, I myself will become a castaway. What does that mean? I'll be put off to the side. No good for anybody. And so we, we know that. But if you, the Bible says in Galatians 5, where it talks about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, he says, if you'll walk in the spirit and live in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of your flesh. Your flesh, did anybody know your flesh did not get born again? Woo. And, and uh, you know, uh, I, and I, I think it was two weeks ago when I was preaching on the loved one, man, the next week, everywhere I went, somebody had to challenge my love walk. Why can't these people just get it together? I had people butting in line and yelling at me. I, I, I mean, just, just, that was the most fun because <laughs> everybody was looking at this guy yelling at me and I was just standing there. I know who you are, and I, and I know I know they all think this is just you, but I know I know what's going on here. This is not my first rodeo, and and I got a whole lot more important things than if everybody wants to get. I even did it. I was like anybody else. I don't care. I'm in a hurry, but I'm not in that big a hurry because I got too much loved. I, I I got too much to do. Amen. So so yes, if you walk in the spirit, I would say I walk in the spirit. I live in the Spirit, therefore, I will not fulfill the lust of my flesh. And so I want to take a little side journey today because uh, tonight, because I want to talk to you because fruit comes from, it does come from vines, but mostly uh, the Bible's talking about it as a tree. And, and when a, a tree, and the Bible likens you and I to a tree. So Psalms 1 says this, Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and does meditate therein day and night. Number three, and he shall be like a tree. Everybody say, I'm a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, his leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So you're the tree, and the tree that is you, you have to plant yourself. You not only need to plant yourself in God, you need to plant yourself in the Word. You need to plant yourself in a church. You need to plant yourself in a, by a river of living water, means the, the power of the Holy Ghost. You have to plant yourself. The deal with so many church people today is they're always transplanting themselves. If you had, um, you know, if you were trying to plant some plants in your front yard, and every week you went and moved it, you have no chance for the roots to ever take root. It's, it's going to die. And the same thing is with God. He wants you planted. And first and foremost, planted in the word. Planted in him. And, and by a river. 
Because whatever there's drought all around, you need that supply, the water system, which is the word and the Holy Ghost. You need that going into your roots so that you can produce fruit. And the fruit you can produce is all kinds of fruit. There's prayer fruit. There's the fruit of your life. But we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about love and joy and peace, long-suffering, temperance, meekness, all those good ones we're going to get into. And we've seen when we produce that fruit, what happens? It gets rid of one of the lusts of the flesh or multiple lusts of the flesh. It's interesting, if you never thought about it before, why are they side by side? The lust of your flesh, and then it talks about walking in the spirit. And remember, it's your born again spirit. These things are not produced by the Holy Ghost as much as they're produced by your born again spirit, by you feeding on the word of God and it growing up in your life. The Holy Ghost enables them to be produced but don't get it confused with the manifestation or the gifts of the Spirit, which is like God putting a, an ornament on you as a Christmas tree, uh, you know, with the root cut. There's no root system there, and that's all God. And we want that, but we, let's be fruit trees uh, that the Holy Ghost can use. Amen. So this fruity is good. This fruity is good. But see, it's, up, it's more up to you than it is God what you produce in. The word has seed in it that produces something. So everybody say again, I'm like a tree. Like a tree. Hallelujah. And what you doing? You're producing fruit. If I want to take you to an interesting place, let's look at Luke chapter 13, verse 6. Luke chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 6. I'm going to read out the King James. He spake a parable. Uh, so this is not doctrine, but it's a parable. A certain man had a fig tree. What kind of tree? So a fig tree is a what kind of tree? It's a fruit tree. And all fruit has seeds in it, right? So this fig tree, um, which produces fig newtons, hallelujah, um, he planted in the vineyard, and it came up, and he came to find some fig newtons. And he found none. And he said unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why come with it to the ground? Cut it down. Cut it down. And the dresser of the vineyard, the guy who was looking out for this little fig newton tree, he said, Lord, let it alone one more year till I dig about it and put some fertilizer on it. And if it bear fruit, well, <laughs> and if not, then okie dokie. But give me another year. Give me one more chance. The mercy of God, the goodness of God. Come on. I, 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 if you've got some people, you feel like the, the, they're going to get cut down, this is a good one to use on them. Lord, give them, give them one more chance. Come on, even yourself. Lord, give me one more chance. And you know what? That forgiveness will kick in. And he limited himself to one year. But I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not up for failing and failing, but the mercy and the goodness of God. Come on, because it's not cut. Anytime fruit's not barren, what does the Lord say? We got to get rid of it. We got to cut it off. But in this case, he said, the vine dresser said, the guy that was watching over it said, Lord, one more year. One more chance. I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to take some extra time with it. I'm going to put some fertilizer on it. And you look and see next year when you come, you're going to find you some figs. Right? 
Now, now if you back it up, this is interesting. This is interesting. Uh, I want you to look at Luke 13, 1, but we're going to look out of the New Living, and I'm going to need some help because it's not in my notes. Because I was sitting during praise and worship, and I felt like the Holy Ghost said, so this parable about us and the mercy of God is right after this. Uh, at this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate, everybody know who Pilate was? Henri, mean, had murdered some people from Galilee as the, they were offering sacrifices in the temple. And they were offering blood, they were offering sacrifices, and he sent a group of people in and murdered them. And now they're telling Jesus this. And then verse 2. Do you th and then he answered, do you think those Galileans were worse sin? Because their supposition was, well, they're just bad people. Because this bad thing happened to them, they must be awful people. For, they, they must be awful for, to, allow, to allow God to allow this to happen. These must be awful folks. They're not who they said they were because they went into worship. But something must be wrong with these people. Because Jesus is answering not just their words. He's answering their thoughts. And so do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people of Galilee? Jesus answered, is, is that why they suffered? Verse 3, not at all. Not at all. In other words, God's not punishing and God's not allowing. It says, and you're going to perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. In other words, um, the He's like, you're going to have to get out of that system where Satan is the God of this world and you're going to have to come under covenant and you're going to have to turn to God. And then verse 4. Verse 4. And what about the 18? So he, he didn't even stop there. Jesus then said, and what about the 18 people who died when the tower of, tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? In other words, I'm, he's answering you all religious people think when something bad happens to somebody, it's just the will of God and we don't understand it, but they must be some awful folk. That's what, and he's answering that. He said, were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? And then verse 5, and then he brings it to us. He said, no, no, that's not what happened. What, what is going on? He's trying to begin to teach them that Satan is the God of this world. And Satan is the one that indiscriminately just kills folks. And he is not picky about who he does it. And just because you were, they were caught up in that doesn't make them wicked people. So, but then he's saying, though, in order, though, to pull you out of that system, watch, in order to pull you out of that system, you got to come out of that and you got to repent and, and because you're going to perish too. So repentance here, he's talking future. He's talking to them about old covenant, but he's getting us ready for the new covenant. And what's he saying is now you got to repent or you're going to perish too, just like them. Verse six. Then Jesus told the story. What? It's all right there together. And really what he's saying is, okay, now I'm showing everybody, everybody gets the same mercy. And we're moving into a new phase, a new era, a new year. We're moving into it, and this is what's going to happen. Even though you should, in your sins, get cut off. If you'll ask, if you'll repent, just like this guy, he asked. We have not because we ask not. But if you'll ask, I'm going to tell you what, I can change your fruit tree. 
I can change your fruit tree. I can change the destiny of your life. I can change the trajectory of your life. I can change where you're going. You can be a fruitless tree one year and turn out and be the fruitiest fig tree there ever was. And have the best fig newtons produced from you. Or whatever you like. Figgy pudding. Whatever it is. Whatever you like. I don't like either one. But anyway, so, but I'm telling you that, that this, this is connected and I never saw it connected before. And really, I don't teach out of Luke uh, chapter 13 very much, but I love the way Jesus handled misthinking. He didn't even just allow it to go. He hit it head on. He's like, the problem is there's a God of this world. He didn't mention it there, but they're not just because they're awful people. And so you can't even look around in the church world and even to ourselves and say, well, that bad thing happening to them because they must, they must not be in faith. They must, they must be doing something wrong. They're not saying enough. They're not. Yes, there's a reason for faith. But we, first of all, let us not judge. If you see someone struggling, how about let's help them? Amen. And ask the Lord for another year to put some fertilizer on them. Hallelujah. I know you all need some fertilizer. I need some fertilizer. I need some fertilizer. Hallelujah. The good kind. The Holy Ghost kind. Hallelujah. And it caused you to grow. It caused you to change some things. So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about fruit. Realizing how does this all go together? Well, I just know it does. And I, I know somebody needed that addressed in their life. Listen, uh, quit thinking about the bad. And why is this happening to me? Lord, I'm a good person. Why is this happening to me? Well, good people have to deal with the same bad devil as bad people do. And uh, he tries to steal, kill, and destroy. But you've repented, right? Have you changed kingdoms? You're in the kingdom of God, Right? And the word of God is working for you. Now he's saying, let's take another year and let's get some fertilizer on it. Let's get some word on it. And so let's produce, let's start getting some fruit. And when you start getting some fruit, it'll start getting rid of what? It'll start getting rid of some flesh. It'll, that fruit will also keep you, I believe it uh, can keep you in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Thank God for the mercy of God. Thank God for his goodness. Amen. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5. A little different route there, um, but Galatians chapter five, and then we'll get into uh, we'll just we'll just jump in um, verse twenty two. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and affections and lust. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So what we've been doing is uh, y'all been helping me. And we've been talking about the fruit of the spirit, how it gets rid of um, some of the work, the different kinds of the works of the flesh. And again, I've watched people try to do it myself, you know, using willpower to get rid of the lust of the flesh. But you've got to start with God power. And when you start with the fruit of the Spirit, the more fruit you develop, then it will push away. I said it will push away the lust of your flesh. And um, it, then, yes, that God power then becomes your will. And so, so to speak, then becomes willpower, but it starts in God. Because you do, make no mistake about it. Well, I don't ever have to do anything with my flesh. You're not hearing me. You have to do something with your flesh. Um, you have to keep it under. You have to keep it under. 
Because you can uh, confess 1 Corinthians chapter 14, um, 4 through 8 out of the Amplified Classic every day. But you're still going to have to make your tongue talk lovely. You're still going to have to keep your attitude in check. You're going to get opportunity. Amen. You're going to get opportunity. I just remember, uh, I think it was when we were, was it when we were remodeling the A-frame? We were doing something, and Pastor Rhonda got the biggest kick out of it because we had a lot of volunteers back in the day. Almost everything we did was volunteer. We had vo- and, and one day there was like her, where there was 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 8, how the Amplified was posted everywhere everyone was working. They were, we were all working day and night. I think people were getting tired, and they were getting snappy with one another. And so suddenly, these scriptures begin to appear everywhere in everyone's room. And they were quoting them to one another. Hallelujah. And we got it done. But even doing the work of God, you have to keep your body under. You have to keep yourself in check, and what will do it? The word of God. So let's look at long-suffering. That word is macrothumia. Macrothumia. At least that's what I'm saying it is. And it means patient restraint, being slow to anger or despair, patient, bearing patiently with the frailties and the provocations of others. Let's say that one again. Be, bearing patiently, patiently with the frailties and provocations of others, bearing up also through all the troubles and difficulties of life without murmuring uh-oh or complaining long suffering long suffering um, I know some people who like to make people around them suffer long but that is not the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit is you are patient the fruit of the spirit is you are able to put up with the frail everybody around you doesn't have to be perfect Everybody around you doesn't have to have it all together all the time. Amen. Hallelujah. I know we as citizens of the United States, we expect everything done and done right and properly. And when you go to a restaurant, you expect it in 30 seconds. You expect a gourmet meal for 10 bucks. Uh, you expect five-star service, and you only tip 10%. And so, um, you know, but, but this, is, this is where we're at. This is life. And so I love the fruit of the spirit is because it's where we live. And you get to see, because remember when, so when someone bumps into you, come on, y'all Wednesday night folk. Uh, Remember we sang amen, hallelujah. But you remember, so when someone bumps into you, they should bump into love and joy and peace. But they also ought to bump into long suffering. And, and, and what does that mean? That means when something's going on, you are the long-suffering person in the room. Not by your own strength, not by your own might, but because you've walked in the Spirit. And if you've walked in the Spirit, you've walked in the Word. And really, when you got some of those things coming up, if you ever notice the Holy Ghost uh, uh, shoring you up in an area, it probably means because you're going to face something in that area. So if, if he begins to talk to you about, and I've heard people say, well, don't pray for patience. Oh, that's just the silliest thing in the world. Because, you know, the Lord will test you. Well, the Lord's not the one doing it. Um, the devil is the one who brings afflictions and troubles. And you got to recognize that. But, uh, but you don't even have to pray for it. It's a fruit of the Spirit. 
So discernment to walk in it. And so you'll put up with the frailties of others and you'll be able to bear up in trouble and difficulties without murmuring. Let's try. Everybody say that together. I'm not going to murmur. Woo! Say, I'm not going to complain. What good would it do? All it does is get your mouth going in the wrong direction. It's the easiest thing to talk about what you see and what you feel. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. With all, Ephesians 4, 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbear one another in love. With all lowliness and meekness and long suffering, forbear one another in love. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. Verse 12 through 13. It says, put on therefore as the elect of God, that's you, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. And it says it again, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, as, oh, as Christ. So the same forgiveness that you receive from the Lord, you ought to show that to somebody else. Hallelujah. That's called long-suffering. That's ca- Aren't you glad the Lord is... Lo- he wouldn't ask you to do something he's not willing to do. Are you not glad the Lord is long-suffering with you? Long-suffering. He's great. He's awesome. He's amazing. So what will that do? Well, it'll take care of hatred. This long-suffering takes care of hatred. Again, what is hatred? Holding a grudge, deep resentment with a root of bitterness, very antagonistic. So when someone, this is very practical. When someone comes at you, uh, someone you know or someone you don't know, when someone's stalking you on Facebook or whatever, when they're saying mean things, what do you got to do? You can either retaliate in your flesh, which the flesh produces flesh, and whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So if you want to get down in the mud with them, if you want to, you know, for whatever you say, I got one better, then that's flesh. And then you're going to reap the whirlwind of that. And especially as a born-again believer, if we get off into the flesh, the devil knows how to attack you when you are in the flesh. That's his realm. And if you want to get out of that realm, you got to get into the spirit. And so when someone is, uh, is doing those things to you, whether they be somebody you know, a family member, uh, a spouse, uh, 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 a boss, whatever, a boss, a group of people, a group of people, even a group of idiots. What do I got to do? How I respond, am I going to respond in my flesh? Because you got one. Do me wrong once, shame on you. Do me wrong twice, shame on me. What does that mean? I shouldn't let you do me wrong twice because I'm going to get you. Well, you're not going to, that's not in Proverbs, y'all. It's not in Proverbs. It's not the wisdom of God. That is a very devilish saying. Why does the devil want you to get in there? Because he gets you in the flesh. And when you get in the flesh, what are you? You're available to be destroyed. And in this climate that we live in, even though you think it's harmless, it is not harmless. The devil is not an idiot. He knows how to get people out of love, even for just and right things. Am I talking to you? 
I'm talking to you from the word because God wants you. This is your season of harvest. This is your season. Amen. You, you, you want to you irritate the devil? Be long-suffering. Get that fruit going. And I know we don't spend the four through four, nine. We don't spend a lot of fruit. We don't love, joy, peace. We know. But I might have to camp on these because I don't know that we're as good at knowing these. Long suffering. Because our flesh is, man, you know, I'll give you one time. It's all you get. It has nothing to do with that 70 times 70. I, the Lord was just talking to Peter. He wasn't talking to me. Right? So you can forgive him. No, long suffering for, for, for one thing, 490 times, one day, every how many seconds? Every three minutes. Every three minutes. That's too, it is wrong. It's too much. It's too much. Let's change the word. Let's just do seven. No, what's his point? <laughs> Lord, increase our faith. That's why he said it, because you can't do it on your own. Do you need to do this? Do I need to do this? Lord, have mercy. You know, especially in times of our life where you give and you give and you give of yourself. And you try to do right and you try to do right and you try to think the best of everybody. And then that person turns around and gets you. It's, I remember, you don't know it, you don't know it, so don't try to think. It's a long, long time ago. I remember somebody did me wrong, and I decided I was going to change the way I pastored. I wasn't going to help anybody. I'm just going to do the word. I'm not going to get close to anybody. I'm not going to try to help anybody. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give them the word and let them grow up, and that's the way we're going to do it. We're going to close it down. It lasted for two weeks. It did last two weeks longer than it should have. But the, I'm just telling you, nobody's immune from this. I'm not immune from this. I'm not immune from this. But what do I got to do? Well, what do I have to do? I got to get back in the Word. I got to get the character of the Lord. As He forgave me, I have to forgive other people. Aren't you glad He doesn't remember your sins? Aren't you glad He doesn't bring them up morning, noon, and night? Remember when you messed up royally? Man, I was doing so much for you. I was blessing you. And then you hit, got hit with this stupid stick, and then you were off doing this and doing that. You remember that? You remember? No, aren't you glad He doesn't do that? Hallelujah. So we shouldn't do that with other people. Hallelujah. Everybody say long suffering. It will get rid of what? It will get rid of some hatred. So what is that when there's hatred going on for supposed born again people? Well, number one, if you've got hatred working in your life, Jesus said, you know, the word of God says in, gospel, in, in the epistles of John, it's like uh, you, you've never seen him and you don't know him if you have hatred in your life. Hatred is the work of the flesh. Like, how can you say you love a God that you have not seen if you cannot love a brother who you can see? So if anyone's got any hatred in their heart towards you, towards a people group, towards anything based on the way you look or what school you went to or where you grew up or what, what, what's your uh, language or anything like that, hatred has no place in God. It's devilish. And it shows then that there's a definite lack of the fruit of the Spirit. And so we cannot participate in that. We can't wink at it. We can't kind of read on it and feed on it. 
because it does a little tingling for, yeah, they need to get theirs. They need to get theirs. No, you, don't, you can't have any of that in you. You can't have any of that in you. You can't get happy, uh, you know, uh, so-and-so, oh, they got knocked down, you know. Ah, praise the Lord. Well, there's no praise in the Lord to that. You can't rejoice when something, well, they had it coming. Well, so did you, and so did I. That's what he was saying in Luke chapter 13. Do you think these people had it coming? Do you think that's who we are? Do you think that's who God the Father is? That they had it coming? No, there's Satan, the God of this world caused that. But come over here and be a fruit tree. And I'll even give you an extra year. And let's get some long suffering. Come on, if we develop long suffering, I think things are, okay, y'all good? Wrath. What, the other one we'll get rid of is wrath. It's like it's that person with a, that's a constant volcano, boiling with anger. They always blow up. What else will uh, long-suffering get rid of? Seditions. A one who rebels. Mm, this is a good one. Sedition's not good. And maybe you don't know what it is unless you read my book. You probably, but let me remind you. Sedition, because I don't have any sedition. One who rebels and steps away from someone to whom he or she should have been loyal. This person defies authority. This person defies authority. Well, you know, some authority needs to be defied. Find, give me chapter and verse for that. Because you can't find that. What you can find is be subject to authority. It's a fine line some people in the church world are playing with today. Fine line. Does that mean authority is all right? Does it mean it's all God-given? No, but God has given authority. He may not have given that person as authority. Until Jesus comes back, may my words be on repeat every four years. Unless the United States changes its government, it's the people who elect people. God does not rig elections. He does not stuff ballot boxes. He does not cause machines not to work. I remember back at Y2K, even some prominent Word of Faith ministers would be like, yeah, it needs, you know, we're just believing God that the whole system will fall and that all your debt will be canceled. And that's just the way it was. Do you know how unscriptural that is? Because that means I owed somebody. And I skipped out on it. Now, if the Lord cancels it supernaturally, then the Lord will bless the other person too. Oh, my gosh, I'm getting into some. I don't think these are weeds. I think these are good. I think these are lily pads I'm dancing on top of. Hallelujah. Do you understand the fruit of the Spirit? This is for mature folk. This is for people who want to grow up. This is for people who want to do things God's way, right? This is for people who want the character and the nature of God. These nine fruit are the character and the nature of God. And yet we have to make sure because look at it. So when someone says something to you and, and, and it stirs your flesh 
to react a certain way. Well, Pastor Mark, you have to be very careful. We don't mean, this is not a time for us to bury our head in the sand and just let things go. No, no, it's not a time for that. And you ought to bury your head in the book. And you ought to see what God has to say about things. And you ought to use your faith. And you ought to believe God. And you ought to get people born again. And you ought to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. And you ought to help teach them the word of God. And you ought to be discipling somebody. You ought to be discipling somebody. You ought to have somebody above you that's speaking into your life, and you ought to be speaking into somebody's life on a very regular basis. Jesus said, go make disciples. The only way things are ever going to get changed permanently around the world is for Jesus to come back and for us to go to heaven. But till he comes back, we have to occupy, and the way you change things, the way you change a nation, the way you change things around you is you got to get more people born again, and then those of us who are born again, we need to walk in the fruit. And he's given us another year. I don't believe that means that December 31st, 2022, it's all over. I just means that's, come on, I, I, I want to help you. Lord, we need some, come on, let's pray this. Say, Lord, fertilize me now. <laughs> Hallelujah. We want more fertilizer. Not, not the kind that's in the King James. I don't want the dung fertilizer. I want the, I want the good fertilizer from heaven. What is that? Well, that's, that's the Spirit of God coming on you. That's the Word of God. That's revelation. Amen. All right, let's move on. Gentleness. Gentleness is crestotes. Crestotes. Close enough. It's a mildness of temper, calmness of spirit, unruffled. Everybody say, I'm unruffled. Why? Because I have gentleness. I have that fruit. I'm unruffled. Treats everybody with kindness compassionate, considerate, sympathetic, kind, and gentle. It also means you're adaptable to others. You ought to be comfortable as a born-again believer full of the fruit of gentleness. You ought to be comfortable around everybody, everybody, especially other brothers and sisters. You ought to be comfortable around everybody. You know, one of the things that um, I feel this, and, I, and, I, and, and I've done it, We've done it. Is I'm as comfortable with somebody if I'm ministering to them, if they lived in, um, and I've been there, the favelas of Brazil or a governor in Chile. Just as comfortable. Because everybody's important. And nobody's too big for their britches. I used to be in awe of people who were, what I conceived, perceived were above me, better than me. But um, doing, being around God and realizing humanity, y'all, we're just alike. We just got different assignments, different gifts, but everybody's the same. There's different, you know, rankings in the body of Christ, but I don't care how high they ranked. They put their britches on just like I do, and they got to believe God the same way I do. Their gifts may be more magnanimous than mine, or they may not, they just might get, be getting started, and maybe they haven't reached anywhere, but we're all the same. We're all the same. And what, so that's what this is, this, um, this gentleness. Uh, Romans 12 and 10 says, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. Preferring one another. What does that mean? You put somebody else in front of you. You prefer them over yourself. Wow. 
I think people would stand around and watch you, and it would cause a a, a thing if if you were just somebody. If you were always preferring, well, you know, we can't prefer everyone all the time. Well, it doesn't mean whatever you because this is what's going to happen. Whatever you sow is what you're going to start reaping. So if you begin to prefer. Now, Pastor Rhonda, I love it when we teach on marriage. She always do, does it this way. And I told her to quit doing this. But um, like, like when we have food that we fix at home, she always prefers me with the best steak. So I, when I start her and her teacher, I'm like, quit that. And, and so, um, you know, but you can, you can prefer one another. I, so I always tell this, we teach on marriage. We talk about this in marriage a lot. Is when you're married to somebody, no matter how long you've been married, you still got to prefer them. You, got, you still got to put someone else above yourself. And so uh, when we got married um, 26 years ago, 27 now, 27, I don't know, where are we at? Um, let's see, the church says, so 26, 27. And so um, we, we, 27 November. So um, I was right. And so um, uh, we used to, when we got married, we, um, we believe God for a vacation up in the Smokies. And so the church, and th- that time very small, but they helped us get there. And so uh, we went to the Smoky Mountains and um, they're the first restaurant we ever went to. She's very sentimental. So we always had to go to that restaurant until the burning bush burnt down, I think. And so uh, we have a plaque and everything. And uh, so we, we always have to go there first. And, um, but then we would always go to this other, some of y'all been up there. Y'all, anybody know the old mill? Where the, the th- where the wheel is, and they have, um, um, some of you don't get up that way maybe, uh, but, but they got the, anyway, there's, uh, it's like a country food and all that kind of stuff. And so um, uh, every time we went up there, so the second place we went to, always the old mill. Every time, every time. And one day we walked out, I'm like, okay, now we went to your favorite restaurant, now let's go to one of mine. And she looked at me and she said, this is not my favorite restaurant, this is your favorite restaurant. So I, I, I don't like this restaurant. I'm like, I don't like this restaurant either. <laughs> no offense to the old mill. But uh, so for years, <laughs> we've been preferring one another instead of communicating with one another and realized that we didn't need to. And we haven't been since, I don't think. And so so uh, no, I think one time we took the staff up there. But uh, this is that place. But anyway, it's not bad food if you're forever. Uh, it's great. It's wonderful food. Um, but we're just tired of it. And so anyway, but, but you know what? That's better. It's better than being selfish. It's better than getting what you want. Because that's what the devil does. And so anytime, which is usually always, you can prefer one another. Everybody say, I prefer those around me. Than to myself. All right. So be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Now, how you do it? With brotherly love. Not because, well, the word of God says I got to. So what do you want to do? You know, you can do it. Fine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you done getting what you want? You know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2, 7 and 8. Jesus made himself, Philippians 2, 7 8. Jesus made himself no reputation took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So this is gentleness. This is 
preferring someone else. This is putting others way ahead of yourself. But what will this do? Well, this one, gentleness, will get rid of, again, hatred. It won't go through hatred again. It gets rid of variance. What is variance? It's a, a bitter, mean spirit consumed with its own self-interest. Issues get blown out of proportion. Somebody with variance. It's a, a person that's bitter, mean spirit consumed with its own self-interest. Issues get blown out of proportion. Would rather bring havoc. Would rather have chaos than admit they were wrong. It is not, but what will get rid of that? Gentleness. In other words, it will just push that um, variance out. But but if you see someone who would rather have chaos and havoc, that is the lust of the flesh. That is... That is part of the not born again. And then see, all these works of the flesh. Then when you begin to act in the flesh, then the devil will jump on them and magnify it. So he's not just content with your flesh. That's where the devil kind of rules, not kind of, that's where he rules and reigns. That's the area he operates in. And that's why the Lord is saying, get out of that and get over here in the spirit Grow some fruit from that that'll push those tendencies away from you. Well, that's just my personality. That's a bunch of baloney. That's just the way the Lord made me. <laughs> baloney. Baloney. What do I mean by baloney? <laughs> uh-uh. No. You may have... Well, that's just how my family acts. Well, not this family. Not the Word of God family. Not the new family. You're in a new tree. You left all the fruits and the nuts, and now we're, getting, we're in a real tree. We're, this is our heritage. This, this is our root system is in God. And if that's a personality, your person, my personality, has, I don't know about yours, but my personality has totally changed from BC before Jesus. And, to, and then I got born again. Then it really changed after I came back to the Lord, got filled with the Holy Ghost. Then it really changed when I got in the word. And then it really, really changed when I got into the word, got into the word and started walking in the word. My personality has changed. I'll even tell you this. Um, um, I used to be um, very shy. Even after uh, going through Bible school and starting the church, I was very shy. Very, uh, people used to think I was arrogant, but really I was just afraid of you. I was afraid to talk to people. I was afraid outside of the anointing. I was afraid I was going to say something stupid. And because I was afraid I was going to say something stupid, I always said something stupid. <laughs> always, 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 always. That thing, your greatest fear came, comes upon you. I was, I, I, it wasn't. So I just learned instead of putting myself out there to say something stupid that I go home and beat myself up for hours upon hours upon hours. Why'd you say that? They're going to think you're an idiot. Because the devil's mean with that kind of stuff. But what happened was I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, I was, this was even in the ministry, but I, I had to put my faith on Growing in these things. 
And so the more word I got in me, the more, the more I walk in the spirit, the more I walk in the word, the more I live in the word, then those things get pushed away from me. Even shyness is not cute. It's not cute. Why? Because it's based in fear. It's cute. It's not cute. It can keep you from the plan of God for your life. Just like someone who's over-exuberant. That's not necessarily God either. Why you got to be the center of attention all the time? Why does everybody have to hear your voice all the time? Why can't anybody else talk anytime? Why we got to hear from you all the time? Praise the Lord. It goes both ways. Emulations. I love teaching on this because it's just where we live and it's real and it's helpful. Um, emulations. A person who is upset because of what others achieve. Jealous, envious, resentful. This person's often irritated and agitated, always in a ticked off mood. Well, get rid of that gentleness. Heresies. Um, remember I talked to you about that. That's not wrong doctrine. Heresies there is a click behavior, thinking you're better than everybody else. Exclusive. Hey, come on, you know what? I tell people all the time, you know, when I started this church, I am not going to high school again. What I mean by that, my little high school that I grew up in Illinois, there was, uh, there was, there was cliques. And only certain people could eat in certain places. And if you wasn't in, you couldn't eat there. You had to eat somewhere else. I, I was in the no man's land. So we had to go downtown. The, the Star Trekkers, the nerds, the smart people. <laughs> well, they're really not welcome. It just was really clicky. And then when I got, came back to the Lord and I started watching that in church, I saw, started seeing clicky. The Lord doesn't like clicky. He doesn't like exclusiveness, right? He's, he really wants one big family. And he really does love all of us equally. And we ought to, I'm not telling you everybody around here has got to be your best bud, because that's not true. But, 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 no clicking. You know what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. Can you handle one more? I don't know if you can. Hallelujah. Um, goodness. We'll just introduce it. Goodness. The zeal of truth. Agath Osuni, maybe. The zeal of truth. The desire to abstain from the appearance of evil. An uprightness of soul that abhors evil. It also means being good to someone. A person who is generous, big-hearted, and charitable. That's us, right? That's us, right? We abhor evil, but we also know how to good, be good to people. We're generous. Y'all are generous people. You have, a, you have a reputation around the world, and I ain't even kidding. You have a reputation. Big-hearted, charitable. Not just big in giving of, of offerings, not just that, just the way you receive people, the way you do good to people, the way you're receptive to people. Trust me when I tell you, and I'm very happy about it, you have a reputation. And I like that. But then let's also do that individually and, and show that to others around us and be good to them. Oh, I can't just leave it. 
Hallelujah. What will it do? It'll get rid of, we'll, we'll start here again, but it gets rid of uncleanness. All right. Uncleanness, lewd, unclean thoughts that eventually produce lewd and unclean actions. So when there's goodness in you, it gets rid of that. Um, strife, heresies, adultery. When you've got the fruit of goodness working in you, those things will go away. Amen?